Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. It is Father's Day. It's great to see you. Great to be with you. A special welcome to all the dads in the house. A special welcome if you accepted an invitation to be here for Father's Day. You invited a dad you know. You invited your dad. Dads, you invited your kids. If you're here as a a guest today because of any of that, welcome. We're glad you're here to celebrate Father's Day with us. I found uh, this photo on social media. So, of course, it is a true story because everything on the internet is true. It is a photo of a suitcase on the front seat of a car, and this is what the caption reads. I set out a suitcase to pack for my flight later today and spotted my three-year-old crawling inside to hide. I casually zipped it up, yelled, off to the airport, everybody, and carried the suitcase to the car. I have circled the block twice, and my luggage has not stopped laughing. That, that story is like funny and sad at the same time. <laughs> Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all the dads who are going after making a positive impact in the lives of your sons and daughters. We give a shout out today to the single dads, single moms who are working both sides. We give a shout out to the grandparents, the stepdads, and the foster parents, and others who have stepped up in big ways to stand in the gap. We give a shout out to those who want to be dads, and to those dads who are just getting started in this great fatherhood adventure. Now, it is Father's Day, and when we hear Father's Day, when we talk about dads, we all have our own personal filter that we run those titles through. We run conversations about Father's Day through our own life filter. You think about your relationship with your own dad. Maybe you were blessed with a great dad. He encouraged you. He gave you his time. He told you, I love you. And all these years later, now you were not, when when he was disciplining you as a child, you were not saying, thank you. I really appreciate this. But all these years later, if you have a father who disciplined you, looking back now, you'd say, thank you, Dad, for disciplining me at the right moments as a child. Now, it's also possible that you're here and you would say that you carry some pain because of a father relationship. Maybe words could be used to describe the relationship like absent or abusive. And let's just say that Words like absent and abusive do not belong in a parent-child relationship. If you are a dad, if you are a dad, you're thinking right now about your parenting today. Maybe you're thinking about how you would have done it differently if you had some years to do over again. And can we all just agree that none of us are perfect as dads and that we all wish that we could have a few do-overs 
What I do know is that our family does not long for our perfection. They long for our presence. We worship a forward-looking God. We can't undo the past, but we can commit for a better future. So I don't know what it is that you're longing for in your families, but I believe that all of us are longing for something in our family. And if we pursue God, we might just be amazed at how he will equip, how he will empower, how he will restore, and how he will redeem in our families. I'm going to invite you to open up with me to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus 3. And we're going to see some great insights on being a dad from one of the great fathers of the faith, Moses. Now, when you hear Moses, you may not think of Moses as being a dad, but Moses was a dad. Moses is also the one who led the people out of slavery in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea with God's power, brought the Ten Commandments, and he led the people toward the Promised Land. That Moses. So we don't necessarily think of Moses as being a dad, yet 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later, we can see in the life of Moses uh, this verse about what Moses did as a parent, and I believe it's going to speak to all of our lives today. You see, God's people, the Israelites, they were living as foreigners in Egypt. Quick, like summary to get us to the verse that we're going to focus on today. Over generations, the population of Israelites increased and they were forced into slavery. The Israelites became the labor force, the slave labor force of Egypt. Now, to suppress the population, the leader of Egypt did this thing that was not from God. It was horrific. He ordered the death of all the infant boys. And Moses, through a miraculous series of events, he escapes death as an infant and ends up being raised in the palace as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. As a grown man, Moses walks out of the palace, and what he finds as he leaves the palace is that his people, the Israelite people, are suffering incredible abuse. And he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And many of you know the story, Moses intervenes and he kills the Egyptian. Moses tries to cover it up. The cover-up doesn't work. Cover-ups actually rarely work. Cover-up doesn't work. Moses is now a fugitive. They want to kill Moses, and so he runs from the city. In a moment, life can change in a moment. In a moment, Moses goes from being a favored one in the palace to being a fugitive on the run. So Moses finds himself out in the desert, out in Midian, and he's there sitting by a well, and seven daughters, seven girls, come to the well. And as they're preparing to draw water for their flocks, some shepherds come and they try to drive the girls away. Moses stands up for the girls. As the father of three daughters, I appreciate men who stand up for the girls. So Moses stands up for the girls and he uh, runs off the, the shepherds he intervenes, and he helps the girls get water for their livestock. It goes so well, actually, that the girls come home early. Dad says, why are you home so early? What happened? And the young women tell their father, Jethro, that Moses saved the day. And this is a smart father. He says, I want to meet the man that helped my daughters. And Moses is invited to the home. And in the time that followed, 
Moses would end up marrying one of those daughters. Her name is Zipporah, and they started a family. Moses is a dad. Meantime, back in Egypt, it's getting worse. The Israelites are suffering as slaves. They are praying. They are crying out to God for rescue. And God decides that now is the time to act. Who is God going to send? Moses. So Moses, think about what's happening in Moses' life at this time. He's living out family life in the Midian desert. He's in the family business, working for his father-in-law, taking care of livestock. Moses is not looking for a change. It's been decades since he was in Egypt. Moses is not longing to do anything other than what he's doing right now. His life is established. Life in Egypt is long in the past. It's possible that God will disrupt your family's status quo to accomplish his purposes. When you get everything just as you want it, come on now, when you get everything just as you want it, be ready. Because that's often when God will make a move in your life. So God disrupts Moses' status quo to accomplish his purposes. This is when Moses has this famous historical encounter with a bush that is engulfed by flames. It's on fire, but the bush is not being destroyed because the presence of God is in that bush. As Moses approaches, he hears, Moses, this is God speaking. And part of what God speaks to Moses, we find in Exodus chapter 3, verse 9, look The cry of the people of Israel has reached me. This is God speaking. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now this is going to speak to someone here today. God is aware of the suffering. Maybe you're suffering in some way and no one else knows. God is aware of the suffering. God hears the cry of his people. God sees the abuse. And if Moses is anything like you and I in this situation, like many of us, we might be thinking, well, this is very good. I, I am hearing the audible voice of God. And God himself is telling me that he is aware of the suffering. He hears the cry of his people, and now is the time to act. Moses might, might say, if he could say anything in this moment, thank you, Father. Tell me, how are you going to rescue them? How will you lead them out of Egypt? How will you lead the people to the promised land which is flowing with milk and honey? And before Moses can ask any of the questions that you and I might ask in this situation, God says this, Exodus 3, verse 10. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Go, I'm sending you, you must lead. Go back to Egypt? Really? Uh, Life is good here. There's my wife, Zipporah. We live close to all of our relatives. I'm thriving in the family ranching business. Our son Gresham plays with his cousins. We've got season tickets to the Midian Mavericks. And we've just finished a remodel. Now is not a good time. And by the way, who am I to speak to Pharaoh? 
Why would Pharaoh even listen to me? Why should the Israelites follow me? I'm a terrible public speaker. I get all tongue-tied. God replies to Moses then what is true for us now. God answers, Exodus 3, verse 12, I will be with you. I will be with you. If God has called you to it, he promises, I will be with you. If the assignment is from the Lord, he will not abandon you in that assignment. God is with you. It's not going to be easy, but God is with you. How often do we tell God why we are unqualified to do what he has qualified us to do? If you read this account, you see Moses explaining to God all the reasons why he's not qualified. Like, like God doesn't know his personality or something. God knows who he's calling. God is aware of the obstacles that are in the way. God is aware of all the fears. He promises to be with us. God tells Moses, there's going to be miracles. He even makes this promise to Moses. The people who you see as the enemies, the Egyptians, God says, I'm going to do such an amazing work that you're going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and the Egyptians are going to pour their wealth out on you as you leave. They're going to give their wealth to you as they go. God tells Moses, throw your shepherd's staff on the ground. What happens to the shepherd's staff? It turns into a snake. Moses grabs it. It turns back into a staff. God tells Moses, I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going to instruct you on what to say. Now, thank, thankfully, today, we still, we can be real with God. And Moses, he is real with God in all these areas that he pushes back. But eventually, eventually, Moses responds and commits to going Exodus 4.18, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please, let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Go in peace, Jethro replied. The first interaction Moses has after his miraculous encounter with God is with his wife's father. Extended family relationships are at their best when parents release their adult children to live out what God has called them to do. Now, it is believed that Moses was about 80 years old at this time. Please do not wait until your children are 80 years old to release them to do what God has called them to do. Now, this is different from an adult child who's running away from you, running away from God, and running toward what is going to be destructive in their life. This is not that situation. Moses has direction in his life, and it is clearly, beyond a shadow of doubt, it is from God. Look at the honor that Moses gives his wife's father. Moses asks for Jethro's permission and support to do what God has called him to do. Now, it's also possible that you are a father like Jethro. You are a dad. You are a grandpa. And your adult children, they love God and they love you. And they are also being pulled in a direction that will mean a change. And you're struggling with this because you don't want things to change. And maybe, maybe you've been saying don't go, but you know deep down inside that it's time to say go in peace. Verse 19. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, 
return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. What a reassuring moment between Moses and his heavenly father. Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. Moses, <laughs> when he shows up in Egypt, he's about to make some new enemies. There's going to be plagues, and they're going to be associated with Moses. Moses is about to make some new enemies. But he also hears all those enemies from your past. God says you don't have to worry about them because they're not there anymore. A reassuring moment. Today, it's possible that God is leading you back. It's possible that God is leading you back to a neighborhood. He's leading you back to a city. He's leading you back to a workplace, back to an organization, back to a team, back to a church. And it's a, a place or an organization from your past, and you've convinced yourself, I can't go back. You've convinced yourself you can't go back because he's there, because she's there, because they'll remember, because of my reputation, their reputation, what I've done, what they've done. What God is saying to Moses here and what he may be saying in your situation now, those reasons that you can't go back, God says they're not reasons anymore. They're not reasons anymore. God knows your fears, even your secret fears. Those fears are holding you back. If God, if God has called you to this, we have to have a confidence that he already has a plan in place to overcome whatever real or perceived obstacles you may see out there. Now, this is not just made up in Moses' mind. Moses really was a wanted fugitive. There was, for a time, a real danger in returning. But God reassures Moses right now, your life will not be in danger when you get to Egypt. You will not be considered a fugitive because there's a new Pharaoh. There's a new administration in place. And this next verse is what's so good. It's the verse I want us to focus on for just a minute. This is the message for dads. Here's parenting insight from the life of Moses. Watch what happens next. Exodus chapter 4, verse 20. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Now, if the donkey is the minivan of ancient Egypt, Moses, ready to move toward this great calling, leading the people out of slavery, parting the Red Sea, Ten Commandments, pressing toward the Promised Land. The first thing that Moses does is he puts his family in the minivan. Moses is not going to Egypt for a quick business trip. This is a relocation, and the family is coming too. Moses has his family, and he has his staff, and his staff represents his calling the calling on his life, and it represents the power of God. So don't miss this. Your calling and your family are not in conflict. Family is a blessing in the pursuit of individual purpose, not a burden. Now, the moment that you became a parent, you had a new calling placed on your life, the calling of parenting. In our 10 o'clock service today, we had three families bring their children to be dedicated. Of all the people in the whole wide world, God selected those moms and dads to be the parents of those children. That's a calling. 
Their calling as parents is not in conflict with their individual calling. Your calling and your family are not in conflict. Family is a blessing in the pursuit of individual purpose, not a burden. Moses is absolutely in the center of God's will and his family is coming too. Moses is heading to Egypt to confront one of the world's most powerful, most evil leaders and to lead the manual labor force out of Egypt. A pretty big assignment. But before he gets there, he puts the family on the donkey. Moses is heading toward his calling, God's staff in his hand, the symbol of his calling, the power of God will be on display in signs and wonders. He's getting ready for this mighty task, and they're on their way to Egypt, and Gresham the son is on the donkey saying, are we there yet? God's chosen family is riding on a donkey to Egypt. God's chosen family is riding on a donkey to Egypt. Many centuries later, another family chosen by God would also head to Egypt. I want to read this, and you tell me if it sounds familiar. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13, 15 through 15. I want you to see if you can figure out who we're talking about. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So centuries later, it would be none other than the family of Jesus Christ that would also be led by God to Egypt. Moses, his family, they're led to Egypt. Moses is carrying his family and is carrying his calling. My encouragement for all of us, and especially to dads today, go after your calling at the pace of your family. Go after your calling at the pace of your family. Moses, in a very real sense, moves at the pace of his family. The donkey is only going to move so fast. He could not get to his calling faster than the family would move. Like we've already said, our families don't need us to be perfect. They want us to be present. What does it mean to move at the pace of your family? Of course, of course, it's about time. It's about taking an interest in what they're doing. It's about inviting them to be part of what interests you. And I think you know this. I'm not coming today with this message as a dad who has it all figured out. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm on the journey with you. We have four children, Savannah, age 10, Dahlia, eight, Elsa, I'm Tucker, five, Elsa, two. I think about moving at the pace of our family. Each one of us has an individual calling on our lives. Yes, there's an individual calling in my life, but Jennifer has a call in her life. Savannah has a call in her life. Dahlia has a call on her life. 
Tucker has a call on his life. Elsa has a call on her life. God has created every person in my household on purpose and for a purpose. And part of the responsibility of leading my family in calling that I'm moving an individual calling at the pace of my family is that I need to be the wind in the sails of the calling of each person in my household. There are a few things that would make me more happy than for my children when they are adults, for them to look at me and to look at Jennifer and say, there have been no greater cheerleaders in my life than my mom and my dad. When I think about, for my kids to say, when I think about where I am, my parents have been the wind in the sails of my calling. I've had a check in my spirit about how often I hear parents who have adult children say something to me like, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. And it's like every time that I hear that now, it's like a reminder. It's like God is speaking through those people who say, it goes so fast. It's like a reminder that we have limited opportunities. We have limited opportunities to read a story. We have limited opportunities to play catch, to play basketball, to kick the soccer ball. Right now, my kids are into Foursquare. I love Foursquare. I'll come home and the kids will say, can we play Foursquare? I want you to know I play to win. I don't let them win. It's good for their character. (laughs) We have a gym membership, and there's a pool at the gym. And the kids will say, can we go to the pool? We have limited opportunities. We have limited opportunities to go swimming, limited opportunities to get a treat, to go to breakfast. We have limited opportunities to pray together. One of our daughters will have like the tiniest scratch and she wants us to pray over the scratch. Yes, we will pray. Want us to pray for the bruise? I don't even see a bruise there. Lord, if there's a bruise, you see the bruise. Heal. As people, as as dads, we get invitations or we get asked Can you be part of this? Can you do this for the company? Can you go there? Can you do this? Can you take on this assignment? We get invited to do things. My question for us today is how high on the priority list is a question like, how can I do this with my family? Is it possible for my family to be part of this? And there, there will be times when the answer is no, your family cannot be part of it. And then the question we have to ask ourselves is, is it worthwhile? And let's be, there's going to be times when, yes, we have to do things separate from our family. But our default answer cannot be always to be separate from our family. God told Moses, I'm with you. I'm with you. And your heavenly father today wants you to know that as you pursue his call upon your life, he is with you.
thank God we don't have to do this alone. If you're carrying burdens, if you're anxious, if you're overwhelmed, you're trying to figure it out, you're not on your own. Your heavenly Father loves you so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. And there's no greater guide than the Holy Spirit. Your family. Dads, your family needs you to be the pastor of your home. Teach your children to follow Jesus. Show them how you experience joy in serving the Lord. It seems like all the statistics and studies about fatherhood tell us that the time that we invest in raising our kids as dads, the statistics and studies tell us that the time that dads invest in raising sons and daughters is exponentially more impactful than anyone else in their lives. So as, as dads, if dads were to spend an hour of time with, with their sons and daughters, and anyone else were to spend an hour of time with those same children, the statistics and studies tell us that the time dads invest in raising kids is exponentially more impactful than anyone else who will speak into their lives. And yes, of course we believe for other positive influences within the family, in school environments, in church. But I know I'm just speaking to the dads for a minute. What we do as dads, the studies show us, will go farther in shaping sons and daughters to be mentally and physically healthy, to be confident, to do well academically, to make good choices, and to stay away from addiction and destructive habits. Culture is crying out. Dads, we need you. Dads, we need you. Speak encouragement into the life of a dad you know. There's, there's some waves in culture that would like us to think that dads are not important or unnecessary. But I think we know this deep down inside. Culture is crying out for men to stand up in their role as fathers. I'm thankful for dads who are part of this church family who are so been so real with themselves and more importantly with God that they have made the decision, the dad that I've been in the past, I don't want to be that dad anymore. And they're pursuing better for the way that they lead their families. Jennifer and I are thankful for the many great dads who are part of this church family. I learn from you. I'm encouraged by you. I'm challenged by you to be a better dad. Thank you for saying things to us like the time is so short. Don't let it miss you. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. 
There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. 